You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 25. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey san, hey san! Hey, yay! Good to be back mm-hmm. again. Always good. How are you guys? Very, very, very well. How are you? Very well, very, very, very well. Anything interesting happened to you? Well, we have in the last week. Yes, I have now gotten my official Swedish skeptic pen. Um. <laughs> awesome! Is... It says V O F. It says V O F. Wetenskap och folkbildning, and it has just taken us about one year of debating before we got to the bloody pens. It's Jesus <laughs> fucking. Oh my god! If if a pen takes, oh, we've got. There's no hope for humanity. That's it. We can go home. <laughs> we just finished uh, the project of uh, replacing our former logo. Yeah, and it and it took us five years. Yeah, it is. It is fantastic. <laughs> so... We've been. Yeah, it's. It, yeah. Anyway, that's now fixed. So now we can save the world because that was the only thing that stood between that and saving the world. Yeah, same same with the Hungarian Skeptic Society. And now we have a new logo. We can save the world now. <laughs> yeah, very good. So important things in life that take long. So time. the next step is that we can use T-shirts and we we can print on T-shirts and we can um, have uh, pens manufactured as well. So yeah, great. Yeah. So we are one step behind you. Yeah. In that sense, yeah. But I I I hear you there there were some changes in the board of uh, the the Swedish skeptics as well. Yeah. That was that was actually uh, a couple of months ago oh, uh, on okay. the yearly yearly meeting. I haven't talked about it really, but we rearranged things a little bit. So we have a new vice president. It's not no longer me. Instead, I decided to take over the treasury department. So now I'm in charge of all the big pharma money. I thought I was a step upwards. What actually. do you mean you decided to do so? No, well, I decided to convince the others to vote for me <laughs> okay. as the treasurer. That, that's that's what I meant. Of course, okay, it's a okay. very democratic movement, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's one of the reasons why why we don't get stuff done, right? <laughs> yes, but seriously, <laughs> I mean, ah, uh, uh, yeah, don't get me started because ah, uh, nah. Okay, have you seen Mars ra- lately? Mars, Mars. Yeah. Well, you know, is a Mars bar in the sky? Not a Mars bar in the uh. skies. No, it's supposed to get huge. A couple of days ago, um, it was the closest to Earth. So, obviously, it makes it look larger. But uh, what uh, news reportings are are saying about it is just exaggeration, to say the least. Hmm. Because they, they, they claim that um, it was going to be so big that it's it's not going to be a dot in the sky but it's going to be a disc like thing like the moon um mm. yeah silly it's just silly yeah very silly but it's cool to know that it's there yep and there's so great science going on there oh i'm i'm so excited about news related to space technology like the galileo system it's the european uh, project of the next generation of G- the GPS system. Have you heard about that? Yeah, I, I've heard about it. It's going to make positioning 
so accurate that the errors are going to be in the one meter range,、mm-hmm. which is amazing for for commercial use. Actually, if you have very strong reference points,、um, you can do even better than that now. But、uh, it's it's not what you have with a, an iPhone in your hand. Will it work on the same technology that we currently have in our iPhones, etc., or do you need new equipment to use it?、Um, I think the idea is not to need new equipment for it. So it's it's kind of a、okay. software thing that 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 it's it's going to happen. But I haven't done too、uh, extensive research on that. But、um, that's what I would assume、uh, they had in mind when they started developing the system. So yeah, already. Fourteen satellites are out, so it's getting there. So they're, they're promising that that、uh, by if if it goes like that、uh, by the end of this year,、uh, the system can be operational. Oh, this soon? Okay. Yeah,、I、and that's a that. Euro- European project. Oh, guys, something else. Have you seen the Sally Morgan video on Facebook? No, I've seen the link. I didn't click on it. <laughs> no, I saw it. I saw it. It's actually hilarious. It is a psychic, a self-proclaimed psychic,、uh, is trying to convince people that other people contacting them is have fake identities. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,、uh... She looks so different、oh, than、boy. she used to. Yeah, I, mean, I thought I thought so too. I was surprised, but、uh, but it's. It, I think also in the video you can see the the she has the aide on the side who's holding the the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. iPad or whatever it is, and she looks so bored at times. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, get to the point. <laughs> for for the listeners who don't know who Sally Morgan is, Sally Morgan is a is a British um, um, psychic, so called、uh, psychic. At least that what she she claims. Yeah, last time her husband attacked a skeptic. <laughs> and and, and, and then, then she fired her husband. So it's because they they were doing the business together. Yeah. So she's she's having a very successful business out of this,、uh, which is terrible. Yeah. But with those glasses on, <laughs> she absolutely looks silly. <laughs> really. <laughs> so like this little elf. <laughs> oh, never mind. She's a fraud. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. Oh, is she going to sue us? I don't know. Let her try. Let her try. Yeah. Things are happening around Europe, always have. But before we move on to the actual events, I would like to know who was born on the third of June. On the third of June, eighteen seventy-three, Otto Loewi was born. He was a German-born pharmacologist and. Psychobiologist. Okay, so today the knowledge that that neurons communicate with one another using chemicals known as neurotransmitters is the foundational part of our understanding of how our brain actually functions, and、um, so we use our awareness of neurochemical transmission to design drugs, investigate the cause of diseases, improve our comprehension of behavior, etc. But in the first half of the twentieth century, however,、uh, the means by which neurons communicated、uh, which, with one another was very, very unclear, and many within the scientific community were convinced that, in fact, communication within the neural system was purely electrical. So Otto Loewi conducted an experiment that he dreamed up、uh, one night. <laughs>、um, he fell asleep. 
whilst reading, and he then had a dream in which he visualized an experiment that could put an end to the debate over how nerves communicated with one another. And then he woke up in the middle of the night to scribble some notes uh, about the experiment and fell back to sleep. He uh, then conducted the experiment with two live frogs' hearts. And I feel very sorry for those frogs, but um, they served well to, for the scientific knowledge. So, uh, he, we, uh, the, you know, there is information out there online if people want to read about how the experiment went. But basically, he has proven once and for all that communication between the neurons is purely chemical and not electronic. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. So... He was actually, uh, he did this ex uh, research with his colleague, uh, uh, with his, with one of his colleagues, and he would uh, later on share a Nobel Prize uh, in 1936 um, for demonstrating the importance of chemical transmission in the nervous system. And in fact, as far as I could see, he became more known for the way how he came up with the experiment, uh, i.e. by dreaming about it, than for what the experiment was actually you know, was supposed to demonstrate <laughs> a bit like with uh, Apple and Newton and gravity and all this kind of thing, uh, which allegedly isn't true. I don't know if you know, guys, you know, with the Apple falling on it. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it's understandable in a way because he was doing all kinds of uh, different experiments on animal physiology and uh, he dissected lots of frogs uh, prepared yeah. uh, the, the, yeah. the beating hearts yeah. uh, we did that at university by the way at uh, physiology oh um, did you yeah. yeah yeah and the interesting thing is that in your dreams you can step outside of the box for a moment that's how you probably come up with new ideas in your dreams mm. or mm. In, a, in a state when, when you're doing something else so same thing yeah. So basically, he uh, he he made this wonderful discovery, and uh, like I said at the beginning, that helps uh, now uh, scientists to design drugs, to investigate our brain, to see how the brain works, to see how we come up with crazy ideas. And um... but um, I think it's a great example his his work and his research is a great example of uh, how science works that you have a certain problem and in order for to to find a solution to the problem and the, to find the answers to your questions you have to break down your problem into small pieces that you can work on so it's not like you find a solution to everything that you want to know he had to break down physiology to the level that he could test something and what he could test was how the the muscle reacts to electrical stimulation and and then we could he could move on uh, i was always amazed by the amount of work amount of research that led to all the, those discoveries that's amazing mm. yeah um how thousands and thousands and 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 hundreds of thousands of people throughout the generations trying to dissect if I can use that word here, uh, dissect the problems and isolate small details about them that can be tested individually. And after the, 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 the results were put together to, to form a whole. Hmm. And that's what I love about science. And it's, and it's a team effort. It's a huge team effort. It's the biggest team ever. I mean, I think it's yeah. all progress of humankind ever is that we can 
learn about what other thing other people have done and then we build on that and we put the pieces together yeah generation by generation puts more and more of the pieces together yeah and and then and then we are where we are today okay thanks very much Yelena. my pleasure and now that we are so happy with our love for science let's see what other people have to talk about at different places around europe I'd like to mention something about Barcelona Skeptics in the Pub. Apparently, they have reached the end of their season. So the next meeting will be held on the 17th of September about some paleo-astronautical stuff and uh, most likely um, at a new venue as well. That is still to be determined. So once it's up on their website, we'll put it in the calendar where you'll find it in time. Excellent. But let's see what's happening in the coming week around Europe. Mm-hmm. On the 5th of uh, June, the Go- Göteborg skeptics, the Gothenburg skeptics, uh, they, are, they are celebrating the Swedish National Day evening, which means it's not actually the Swedish National Day, it's the evening before the Swedish National Day. They always have a twist to their, uh, <laughs> to their pubs. I want to meet the Göteborg skeptics. They must be yeah. crazy people. They are a little bit uh, very. <laughs> I want to be with very them. fun people. I mean, they really, really very great. They are great. Uh, but if you want to do that and, and celebrate the Swedish National Day evening uh, on the fifth of June, uh, you'll go to the Bishop's Arms uh, in Gothenburg, and they will uh, take care of you there. And it so happens that it is the Danish National Day as well, so they'll make a big mix of all of all of that. And on the um, Monday, the 6th of June, there will be Glasgow Skeptics EU referendum debate. Ooh, Ooh sore <laughs> point, sore point. Um, yeah, I should be attending that. Okay, um... There'll be a, p- a panel debate, and very interesting. I can imagine maybe even fights will break out. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. But I can um, guess what their stance on uh, the EU referendum is. Because as far as I know, in Scotland, uh, Brexit is not a very welcome idea. It's not very welcome in England either. But anyway. Oh, well... And the Scottish Prime Minister even stated that um, if Brexit happens, then the the Scottish referendum about leaving the UK will be on the table again. So Mm -hmm. So, so they'd rather leave the the UK than leaving the the EU. And stay in the EU, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. all right. (laughs) Interesting. Um, By the way, this is the same day of the Swedish National Day. What is the Swedish National Day about, Pontus? You haven't it mentioned used... that. <laughs> uh, okay, I, well, it's because I don't really know. It used to be the day of the Swedish flag. And right now I don't remember what we are celebrating. Uh, <laughs> you just celebrate Swedish... for, for the sake of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, this, we didn't, for a long, long time, we didn't have a national day. We had the, the day of the Swedish flag and nobody paid any attention to it. But then they transformed it into a a public holiday and renamed it the, the national day and since then mm-hmm. of course people uh well they at least they stay home with, from work i don't know if it, we celebrate it very much yeah the important part is that you have a day to celebrate mm. yeah. yeah yeah exactly on the next day on tuesday the 7th um that's the most likely um date of uh, our 
um, Skeptics in the Pub event uh, in my hometown. And I'll be attending it as well, finally. Um, it's been a long time that I had to skip all of them. Um, but uh, for a while, it was it was not even organized. That's what happens when you leave the country and you were the organizer. But uh, the topic that we'll be discussing um, with uh, the the journalist who covered uh, the this uh, case, this court case, is the case of that uh, small child who died of uh, malnutrition. Mm. And I I think I mentioned on the show here that I want to 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 make a, a bit of fuss about that uh, on a national level back in Hungary. So we're going to start planning our actions um, at the Skeptics in the Pub. So if you're interested and you're around Székesfehérvár, which is not easy to pronounce, but it's a beautiful city, um, come and join us. On the 8th of June in Leipzig, uh, they've had a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, now they're back again. And it's a social Skeptics in the, uh, Skeptics in the Pub event. Uh, but they've already said that they will probably discuss Catholicism and Pastafarianism, if that's a word. Hey, Pastafarianism is a word, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our friends from America. <laughs> it's not only a word, it's a thing. It's a yeah, thing. Yeah, they wear, they, wear, they wear the colander and, oh, they're awesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's the best Pasta religion f- so far. Pasta foundation and, you know, praise the noodle and all that kind of thing. I love it. <laughs> Ramen. <laughs> Ramen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on the same day, 8th of uh, June, there will be a Bournemouth Skeptics in the Pub. Um, they've got a very interesting theme called How to Be a Psych Conman uh, with the Ash Price. So join them to know all the things you need to know. Yeah, and apparently he's going to be um, touring the country uh, later on in June. Uh, he's going to give uh, several talks around different Skeptics in the Pub meetings. So... Yeah, if you're in the UK, you have a good chance of uh, of catching him. But if you're in Birmingham on the same day, Wednesday the 8th of uh, June, you can join Birmingham Skeptics in the pub, uh, where Nick Haves, uh, who's a reader in uh, Autonomous Intelligent Robotics in the School of Computer Science at the University of Birmingham, uh, he's going to talk about um, how the robots uh, can uh, take over the world and he says that the the title of the talk is I for one welcome our new robot overlords. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's right. Must be an interesting <laughs> talk. Uh, so if you're around Birmingham, uh, go along. And then we turn to Bulgaria, no less. In Sofia, uh, skeptics in the pub, uh, Doctor Nikolas Kerekov will talk about vaccinations and especially about HPV. Uh, so that sounds very interesting. Same day, 9th of June, there will be uh, Skeptics in the Pub in Tenerife. We have mentioned it last week, but they've had to postpone it and move it to 9th of June. Gravitational waves. 100 years of Einstein general relativity. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Lots of events all across the continent, which is awesome. That's fantastic. Really good. I love skeptical activism. Mm. So, yeah, it's like workout. <laughs> skeptical. <laughs> Let's move on to a few interesting things to talk about. Scientific uh, research is in the news. Um, scientific research is not always easily accessible to the public because it's of- often hidden behind paywalls and stuff if you want to read the actual study. And that's that's 
that's a problem and it's a problem for for everybody's problem for other researchers it's it's a problem for us skeptics and in fact we actually had a discussion on this uh, just the other day when i was in stockholm with uh, with uh, on the skeptics in the pub but there is some uh, good news because the eu competitiveness council has recently had a two day meeting in brussels and they have declared a new goal and the goal is that and i quote all scientific articles should be open access by 2020 and that that's really really good uh the the thing is we don't know exactly what they mean yet with that because it's uh, it's not really an easy thing to do it's changing the whole the way things are working who is going to pay for the peer review process if if everything is free of access but still it's it's really really positive indeed and i'd like to say hats off to the dutch government who is now leading this and has been driving this uh, because they are holding the eu's uh, rotating presidency at the moment so it's good news it is good news especially for skeptics mm-hmm. uh, i mean because we skeptics tend to i don't know about you but i always try to find the original source but hitting the paywall is just a thing that that pisses me off big time yeah often often you can read and find the abstract but if you want to go further and read about the methodology and what they really found but, but yeah, but, yeah the other thing is that reading the abstract can still be misleading so yeah. even even if you read the abstract even if you read the conclusions it's it's not enough because sometimes the devil is in the detail yeah uh so when when you start realizing that the method has its own flaws and you start picking them up that's when you mm. you you find out how important it is to to have the original source of course i have a few friends who have access to several journals but of course it's very it's very tiring time consuming and and i guess for them it's pretty annoying that i i keep poking them for <laughs> for some <laughs> some more help yeah. with uh, downloading stuff and and sending it to me by, via email so it's 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 it's, and it's only very good. and it's only available for people who are like in the in the universities or doctors or you know yeah. or a library like, yeah. you a library. can have your own account you could have one i think mm-hmm. uh but it would cost you a lot of money mm. so yeah. you would have to make a decision whether you want to eat every month or yeah. have access to those journals so tough choice yeah yeah so yeah I, i'm really looking forward to that what is it a 2020 2020 is what they say so the the roadmap to, to there is not ready yet so that but they have a uh, it's an ambition so let's see what comes out of it and let's keep our fingers crossed because that's what we skeptics do right yeah mm. yeah and we have to we have to make a movement out of it so we should we should all support that actual initiative. Yep. Thank you. Um, I've got news from Germany. Um, in a way, it's old news, if you know what I mean. They're not really new news. So um, in at the end of May, uh, German homeopaths have announced um, that homeopathy works after all. It was a massive press release by German <laughs> Association of Homeopaths. Let me just try to pronounce that. Deutsche Zentralverein Homeopathischer Teacher IRZT. Good job. Good job. Good so they I think you nailed that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
please, please, people who speak German, don't please uh, crucify me and other things. Um, they won't. I mean, aren't we all relieved that they finally uh, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and told us homeopathy works? Um, otherwise, we would all have to assume that they're all quacks, you know? But basically... To think that we were so wrong all the time. <laughs> I know, right? Um, they uh, published this huge document in German, a 60-page document that, I, I'm sorry, I don't really know German well enough to be able to translate it all, so, um, but the press release um, was translated, and um, with the help of our uh, friend uh, Edzard Ernst, whose blog we will link to, in our description box, um, he gone through the press release uh, himself, which is we're very gra grateful for that. Um, basically, I'll I'll just read you an extract that doesn't make well. I'll just read it out. An assessment of meta-analysis of homeopathy shows mostly significant results compared to placebo, which indicates a specific effectiveness of potentized remedies. Depending on the selection criteria, various studies are included in the evaluation. These results are rel relativized by the authors of the respective meta-analysis. The listed caveats do not always reflect the usual scientific standards. <laughs> so basically, um, this is... It, they just cherry-picked the studies that suits them after, I don't know if, how many people were following it, but, but apparently last year, Australian uh, Health Service did a massive, Australian Government National Health and Medical Research Council did a massive, massive uh, meta-study of all the um, uh, homeopathy research. 57 meta-analysis has been uh, included in their studies, just to conclude that the homeopathy didn't work. And then come Germans and they picked five. Yeah, they well, pick the ones they want, right? And then isn't it that works. convenient? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, isn't that convenient? And they said that you know four out of five shows significant uh, specific effectiveness, as they as they put it, um, of uh, potentized remedies. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, if there was ever um, a good representation of cherry picking, I think we found one really good example now. And um, basically, it's it's not really true obviously <laughs> it doesn't work if you read into it they made the studies uh, work for their case um and um i mean five out of 57 what, what's the percentage that that is you know it's like 10 percent, whatever um and it was done by so i just want to underline that the this evaluation was done by homeopaths uh, in germany financed by, by homeopathic lobby group um, and, uh, of course, it fit their expectations and results. How surprising that Fancy is. that. Mm. Not at all. So, no, we can all sleep tight tonight. It's, you know, no, like I said, it's really old news mm. <laughs> that we're trying to be. Sometimes it feels like um, people, like, you know, like homeopaths and naturopaths and whatever, they, they just come out with something like this just to pat, pat themselves on the back and say, oh, look, there's another link I can kind of use for the future references, which doesn't really in further inspection, uh, inspection make any sense or have any substantial uh, scientific proof. Hmm. So there we go. Well, cherry picking is, is one of my favorite techniques. 
actually. It's <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> You've probably hear, heard that the, um, the U.S. National Academies of Sciences recently published its uh, most thorough review so far of the safety of GM crops. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm, mm, very exciting news. Yeah, and that they found that there is no difference between GM and non-GM crops in, uh, regarding consumer safety. Yeah. But not too long after that, the BBC published a piece written by Palop Ghosh. Uh, I, for some, um, his name might uh, sound familiar because he's a well-known science correspondent at the BBC. Uh, and the piece's title is Royal Society Calls for Review of European GM Ban. He quotes the president of the Royal Society, Professor Venki Ramakrishnan, who said the ban on GM crops by many European countries should be reassessed. As he says, when the ban was introduced, it was based on a public misunderstanding of the technology. Um, the Royal Society, which is the Independent Scientific Academy of the UK, recently released a guide for the general public about GMOs and apparently... This stirred up quite a controversy. And by the way, Professor Venkatraman Ramakrishnan is a structural biologist uh, who received the shared Nobel Prize in chemistry in 2009 for studies of the structure and function of the ribosome. Mm. Do you know what the ribosome is? Vaguely. I, from biology classes. Oh, it rings the bell. Yeah, it rings the bell. Oh, yeah. Ri- that's an exciting yeah. thing in all living cells because that's where protein synthesis takes place and uh, so i think he knows a thing or two about how genetic information is transformed into proteins um but let's not apply an argument Uh, from authority here i was just about to say that (laughs) the guide that they published in the form of a q a accompanied by an explanatory video is pretty easy to comprehend, and I think it could be used widely in other languages as well. So the only thing that you need to do is uh, find someone to do the job of a translation, uh, because it's pretty good. Um, There are a few things I'd like to talk about here, uh, however. What is this ban all about, and how was regulation done in the past, as well as what's the situation now that triggered this? So let's start with uh, going through the legal framework that is used for uh, the legalization, the market legalization of um, GMOs and GM crops. Um, I'm using both terms. GMO stands for genetically modified organism and GM crops are specifically those crops that are used in agriculture that went through genetic modification. Uh, So This legal framework is based on a 2001 directive and several other regulations that followed in 2003 and 2009. And the whole thing aims to provide the following. Protect human and animal health and the environment by introducing a safety assessment of the highest possible standards at EU level before any GMO is placed on the market. Since this part should be applied to everything put on the market, I don't have a problem with this. Secondly, put in place harmonized procedures for risk assessment and authorization of GMOs that are efficient, time-limited, and transparent. Hard not to welcome such a principle, right? But here's where it gets a bit tricky, and I can't support fully uh, the other two principles. Ensure the traceability of GMOs placed on the market. This is too vague, 
but the other one, ensure clear labeling of GMOs placed on the market in order to enable consumers as well as professionals, just as farmers and food feed chain operators, to make an informed choice. Yep, yeah. this is why? this is a bit problematic, right? Yeah. Uh, why, why? If it's not dangerous, why do you have to label it? I warning, warning. This crops were watered by watered. I, um, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 But but I understand that that this is all about focusing on consumer safety. I totally understand that. I totally subscribe to that. It's a good thing in itself. Uh, there is only one problem with that, with these principles. Although they quite rightly want to make sure that consumers uh, can make well-informed decisions, hence all the labeling that is required, but they obviously fail to recognize that with the mass hysteria generated by the spreading of half informations and outright lies and all the misinformed speakers gaining more and more ground by the day combined with a massive ignorance seen across the public, the idea of an informed decision is not more than a dream. So people are are making their personal choices based on fear. And as a result, political decisions are actually driven by that fear mm. uh, that, that GMOs are surrounded by, right? And the labeling creates fear. Because if it's not dangerous, why do you have to label it? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, when you think about the, the, the labeling of, of calorie intakes and um, nutritional information, that's, that's something informative that's 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 informative that gives you an important piece of information about the food that you're about to take in but putting the label that it's gm it's genetically modified doesn't tell you anything about the product yeah yeah and i think that the it's it's different because calories is something that is good for you to an extent but it's bad for you if you get too much but so you need to you, well, you don't need to, but people like to count their calories and some people really should because they're eating too much. But but uh, about GM, there's no there's no uh, significance on, you know, you can't get too many GM units in you. Yeah. <laughs> don't give ideas now, Pontus. I tell you, there'll be people who'll be like, shit, we can yeah. count GM units now. A fair, amount, a fair amount of GM is good for you, but don't overconsume the GM. Actually, I don't think it's it would be a, a new idea for anyone out there who is an ardent opponent of, of GM crops. So this is why I really welcome the, the Royal Society's uh, guide yeah. f- uh, intended for the general public, because this is, this is where it all begins. We need to educate the public. Yeah. And in some countries, the fear is so deep that talk about GM is out of the question. Uh, one of those countries, my country, is actually crazy. It's it's madness what's going on there. Because we have a statement in our constitution that says we have the right, in order for, to live in a healthy uh, life, to be rid of genetically modified food. Fantastic. Fantas- Fantastic, isn't it? Do, do you so, have a did you have a list of of the countries where GM is is uh, in in Europe where GM is uh, banned? Um, not really. No. Um, apparently, uh, there are um, at the beginning there were eight countries out of the twenty eight mm. in, th- in the end of two thousand fifteen that adopted this uh, this this new uh, amendment um, uh, within the um, EU directive. But the other thing is that um, there are countries that have 
used some kind of bands on their own beforehand. So um, it's it's and and there are exceptions as well. So there is no actual list of countries that banned every GMO, genetically modified organism, outright. And the other thing is that there are countries where GM crops are not allowed to be grown, uh, but um, GM crops uh, imported from other countries can be used to feed animals. Uh, and, and the other thing is that uh, genetically modified organisms are very widely used in scientific research. When it comes to, for example, uh, the production of insulin, mm. insulin is being produced by genetically modified bacteria, mm. human insulin. So mm. it's not a, a, a black black or white situation. It's not, it's not something that... This, this is why it's, it's, it's just simply silly to, to ban everything based on the fact that they, they have gone through genetic modification. Correct. But getting back to the, the to the original topic of of how the situation evolved, since between two thousand nine and two thousand fifteen, as I mentioned, several member states started to handle GM crops and other organisms in accordance with the public opinion. You know that fear that I talked about. Um, it is probably the need for harmonized procedures mentioned above uh, that led to a new EU directive. And it came out in March 2015, amending the the 2001 directive and making it legally possible for the member states to restrict or prohibit the cultivation of GMOs in their territory. Um, so beforehand, there were different um, GMOs that that were allowed on the market by the EU, but there were several restrictions that were applied by several member states. So they wanted to harmonize the the legal environment. Uh, probably this was the reason why, why they, they, they did it. So, um, a couple of months later, many European countries indeed started to apply restrictions or outright bans and kept boasting about it. That's that's like the mm-hmm. worst part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they started to be very proud that we are going against science. Mm-hmm. So this is what led in October to several news outlets like Bloomberg, the New York Times and even New Scientist to publish articles criticizing the EU for going against scientific evidence and opening the door to the prohibition of a whole range of food and feed based only on the fear from a technique people don't even generally understand, hmm. but still led and, and, and driven by this fear uh, that, that was built on, on not understanding the whole thing. The market legalization of GM crops has, uh, um, has been an interesting procedure uh, even, even be- before uh, this, this amendment. Uh, with the involvement of the European Food Safety Authority, member states, the European Council, and the European Commission, uh, so they they all had a say in whether GMO can be listed in the EU Register of Authorized GMOs. Uh, that list can be checked, by the way. So if you go on the European Council's website, uh, you can find um, uh, this uh, register and you can search for uh, different different crops or, or different organisms. Uh, not only crops are listed there, uh, bacteria and stuff as, as well. And the, the interesting and fun part is, uh, fun in a way, is that there has also been 
a 30-day period for the public to express their opinion. And I found um, an example. The document can be found on on the European Council's website as well. Um, these are a few of the the the, the pieces of of mind from uh, from some of the general public. For example, th there there was a the voice of common sense. This is an organization from Croatia. They said the assessment uh from from their uh side was this is dangerous and unpredictable for health and environment this is a genetically modified cotton that we're talking about dangerous cotton yeah so uh, okay it's not even used for food <laughs> ah and they say it's dangerous and unpredictable for health and environment mm. um this is all waste of time and money because there are more efficiently and natural ways to provide the whole world with cheap and quality food. <laughs> so these are good examples of, of how the general public thinks about genetically modified food and genetically modified organisms in general. Um, the risks, risks for health is too big than benefits. It's uh, f Forget about the, the, the language issues. Um, this is an attack on the immune system of humans, animals, and plants. <laughs> this is when the public opinion drives political decisions, right? I understand that there are certain uh, issues that concern several um, experts as well, especially environmental issues. Uh, those are a bit more legitimate issues, I think. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, the lack of uh, uh, genetic diversity, um, when these uh, genetically modified organisms uh, are overwhelming the the agricultural environment, and the other thing is that when they start crossbreeding with with other organisms, uh, there can occur a few uh, cases when when new new characteristics start to emerge that we don't know about or we haven't known about uh, before and we don't know what the outcome of that could be so that those are legitimate concerns but the health concerns are not really um, when it comes to a certain genetically modified organism so banning every gmo not only has a huge economic and demographic impact even within some areas of the eu which sounds very implausible, but it's not. Uh, but it also hinders scientific progress, given the fact that without the legal framework for commercial use, research funding might suffer heavy cuts in the future. And we, we've been seeing that happening. Um, it's not just something that, that we fear of. That is happening. But there's more to this. With global warming posing new threats and challenges... To, to the global food supply, we must ensure an open and scientifically sound debate about the scientific and commercial use of genetically modified organisms. We must. Instead of letting politicians make decisions without scientific consultations and listening only to the voice of a misinformed public. So this is, this is not the way to go. So I, I absolutely agree with uh, the president of the Royal Society and uh, many other organizations. Recently, even GVOP um, published an article uh, is uh, specifically with the, the the global warming aspect of it. So 
we should talk about it widely and we should try and push for uh, the the changes in legalization uh, in the legal environment of uh, using GM. The thing is, we think we know more than we actually do know. Like, very simple examples. You know, like with the bicycle test. Have you ever heard of it? No. Or a bicycle test. No, well, somebody sketches the bicycle, but misses out ah. the, the, the main parts. And then you think, of course, I know how the bicycle works. I've mm-hmm. ridden one. I've seen 100 times. Yeah, but I've got it. no fucking idea. The same yeah. GM, it was you know, it's... quite funny because people decided to to build bicycles out of people's sketches of them. And they were totally unused, <laughs> totally useless. <laughs> it was <laughs> quite fun, actually. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in this uh, conspiracy book that I'm reading that he's using, again, this example, because it's such a good illustration at what... Like, people have no fucking clue. Mm. They just jump on a bandwagon and something that feels good, they go, yeah, you know. Our next news item come from Greece. And thank you very much to Odysseus, who was kind enough to send it to us. Uh, it appears that the Prime Minister of Greece, Mr. Alexis Tsipras, I think his name is, has um, he has a very dubious uh, planning advisor who is not very science literate. This advisor's name is uh, Nikos Karanikas, and he has been it has been his appointment has been criticized before because he is it's said that he got the job just because he is a personal friend of the Prime Minister. But uh, Mr. Kalanikas has recently posted a Facebook link uh, um, to, which points to the website cosmoscope.com, which is a Greek uh, news item news site. And there he it pointed to to a story about uh, uh, a 33-year-old uh, Englishman called Davis Hibbett, who has been diagnosed with cancer, who stopped his chemotherapy, and then instead took therapy with uh, cannabis oil and then got cured. Mm. Uh, But this uh, cosmoscope.com website is not known for promoting uh, real science always. It's rather leans towards the pseudoscientific side. Um, And that's really not a good site for an advisor to the prime minister to get his health advice. The truth of the matter is that the story is an old uh, Daily Mail report from last year from April 2015. And the truth is that Mr. Hibbit uh, was really taking cannabis oil against his cancer, but he still took the chemotherapy. He then was declared cancer-free, but unfortunately now he has had a relapse and the cancer has come back. So uh, Karanikas has got quite a lot of criticism for for his uh, post. Uh, He has not responded to the criticism, but he has since deleted his post from Facebook. But of course, nothing ever... Surprise, surprise. Yeah, mm. but you know, nothing ever disappears from, from the internet. So there are screenshots and, and other things. And I, I think the concern here is that if you have pseudoscientific ideas on this level uh, in, in government, it is really a dangerous uh, development. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say something clever like, oh, I can uh, get behind this cannabis thing. <laughs> no, actually, that is a concern because there, there could but... be 
beneficial uses for cannabis and there i'm oil. sure there are actually yeah but not for actually curing the cancer but for for no, no. you know uh, making it easier to live with the sy- symptoms etc and there yeah there are legitimate yeah, uses for yeah. it yeah i think there could be pain relief it has been proven to be useful for uh, glaucoma and something else so like the some conditions actually smoking weed helps and you know people shouldn't it's not really clear cut i think it's still being uh, uh, investigated or or i want to think it helps because when i have glaucoma Ah, you know what i'm going to be doing (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. that's what i was going to say that your uh (laughs) last time you advocated for uh for the consuming uh, for consuming alcohol and uh now you're trying to point out Mm. what the weed is good for yelena you are suspicious to me (laughs) 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 never mind but um have you guys um noticed uh, the pattern that started to emerge here Mm-hmm, no. With uh, the the influence of pseudoscience on politics. Mm. Ah, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but that that was yeah. to be expected. I mean, mm-hmm. if you remember, not so long ago, homeopathy was uh, funded on NHS in in England, and that's must have taken some influence. I mean, it's coming off yeah. due to some of research and yeah. due yeah. to the influence that good thinking society has and what the research they did and the pressure they put on various. Yeah, so it's. But yeah, definitely, it's big links. Look, if it gets uh, politicians' votes, they will say whatever that needs to be said. Yeah, yeah. In the public, yeah. they'll endorse whatever bullshit they needs to endo- need to endorse. Unfortunately, sometimes it works that mm. way. I mean, not always. I'm sure there are politicians who are true to their cause and whatever. The only hope I see for you know a good working democracy is that the voting. Uh, public is scientifically literate so that they vote for mm. the scientific correct thing yeah. but unfortunately that's not um, the case I'm, I'm a bit more willing to allow some freedom about that uh, and say that what is required is not necessarily scientific literacy but critical thinking skills because it's it's not necessarily science that that well, we yeah. we need to be critical about or scientific issues but uh yeah whenever you you require evidence to or require something that can really back up your statement uh that's that's a good step yeah I, I i think we mean the same thing we're just using yeah, different yeah, yeah, words yeah. for it but you know you're right informed decisions in any case and yeah, uh, yeah. and that's that really comes through the language of the, the the legislation framework of the EU as well that 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 is the aim um, informed decisions but the problem is that they don't recognize that there is a lack of of critical think- thinking skills that that would really allow people to make informed decisions mm. so it's it's because yeah information uh, and misinformation are not the same thing <laughs> No, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. And uh, thanks to Odysseus as well. Yes, thank you very much. It's not easy for us to follow news from from Greece because not even the characters are the same. So it's it's hard for us. So thank you very much. 
I think we are very consistently like presenting news like for Hungary, Sweden, you know, England, but then other European countries are kind of falling be- behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I would really like to to change that, but in order for us to to be able to change it, we have to have the information. So, yeah. dear listeners, if you're out there, if you are from a country that we don't speak the language of, which is a lot of countries. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, then <laughs> yeah, please indeed help please us out. provide us yeah. the information. Yeah. yeah. So just right. let us know what's going on in your country because we want to know and we want uh, want to share it with others as well. Yeah. Thank you. Let's hear the interview that Pontus recorded at Stockholm Skeptics in the Pub. I'm here in Stockholm at a Skeptics in the Pub event in the Magic Bar, believe it or not. The board of the Swedish skeptics have regular meetings over Skype, but every quarter or so we make sure to meet in the flesh. Well, if that's the word. And uh, after those meetings, we're always rounded off with a pub night where everybody's welcome. There's around 30 people here or so, including one or two who may have stumbled in here by mistake. I'll see if I can't get a word with one or two of the skeptics before the magic show begins in a little while. It's quite noisy here, but I hope it will be okay. <laughs> so I'm here at uh, Skeptics in the Pub in Stockholm. Uh, we have a social night, no special uh, uh, speaker or so, but there's a lot of people here. And um, I found uh, the new vice president for the Swedish Skeptics here. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, sir. I'm fine, thank you. Yes, sir. So, can you tell me who you are and uh, how you became the new uh, vice president? <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Peter Lawson. Uh, I'm known as the factoid guy. I find uh, common uh, misconceptions and uh, myths and urban legends of all kinds. And, um, and I've been in VOF for uh, quite a few years. Um, I'm president of the Gothenburg chapter of VOF. Yeah. And uh, since April, I've been vice president of VOF yeah. Sweden, oh, which um, congr- very honorable. Congratulations. Thank this you. is not your first time in the, in the main board of the, the Swedish skeptics. No, it's my second run. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you've been around for a while. We, we, we talk about the Gothenburg skeptics quite a lot on, on the show because you have such fun uh, names for your <laughs> meetings and you meet quite a lot. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, our most regular meeting is, is our moon pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet every full moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's very good. <laughs> uh, it's perfect because uh, uh, actually, the actual reason is very practical one. Uh, instead of meeting uh, first Tuesday every month or something, then <coughs> if you if you happen to work Tuesdays, you're out of luck. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, instead, we meet every full moon, which. Um, so the weekdays are changing. So so, the week so there's changing. always time for somebody to. Yeah, yeah. but still, uh, everybody everybody can f- easily find when is the next full moon, and then they know that there is a meeting skeptic pub in Gothenburg. Yeah, and you also had a Friday the thirteenth event quite recently. Tell me how that went. Uh, every Friday thirteenth, uh, we we hold a ladder. We go out in the streets of Gothenburg and hold a ladder which people can walk under. Yeah. So you invite people to go under the ladder and s- yeah. to see what happens. And accumulate uh, bad luck 
yeah. on Friday 13. Oh. And uh, uh, have you had any accidents so far? Or? Uh, not so far, no. Oh, right. Uh, we, Disappointing. Uh, that we know. So uh, we ask people, we invite them to uh, amass more bad luck on Friday 13, which is already the bad luck day. Yeah. And uh, surprisingly, <laughs> many people uh, don't risk walk under the ladder. Oh, so they refuse? Oh, yes. Really? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Quite a few. Quite oh, quite that's a few. interesting. Maybe the, because they don't want to um, participate in a random freak show ah, okay. on the street. Okay. Maybe that. But right. um, <coughs> I, we, we do find uh, quite a lot of people who are um, honestly uh, superstitious. Yeah. All right. So, so do you have black cats as well to and have them run across the we, road? <laughs> we have a, 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 a t- black toy cat. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, she's with us uh, every Friday. All right. Day. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so how come you're in Stockholm? This is not Gothenburg. Uh, I am. I, I, I try to visit Stockholm as often as I can uh, because, well, they do know at least a bit of how to arrange a successful skeptic pub. Ah, okay, very yeah. good. Yeah. Today uh, the board had a meeting and so uh, we uh, had to show up in, in person. Uh, we are, uh, right now we have three people from uh, Gothenburg um, in the Wolf National Board. So uh, we drove up from Gothenburg today, went up. Uh, uh, we left the city uh, half past four in the morning. And, uh, oh, you're getting applause there. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank I you. I think oh. maybe the show is starting here. We're in the magic bar. The magic bar, oh, yes. I think they are going to start with the, with the magic show, so we should. Them. All right, so uh, good to talk to you anyway. Thank good you, ma- thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Well, unfortunately, the magic show kept on for quite a, wi- quite a while, so that's what you get this time. I was hoping to interview Linda as well, Linda Strandundberg, the president of the Swedish Skeptics, but I guess I will catch her next time, uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, will be in Gothenburg. So, uh, cheers for now, or as we say in Sweden, skål. Jelena. Yes, Andres. Do you have a fancy logical fallacy for us today? Yes, um, I've got um, a common, I think it's a common one uh, that maybe people don't think about as often as some of other ones called spotlight fallacy. Um, And it's assuming that the media's coverage of a certain class or category is representative of the class or category in a whole. Okay, in plain English, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the media have been covering X uh, quite a bit by describing, describing it as a Y, therefore, X can be described as Y. So, um, for example, it seems like we are constantly hearing um, about crimes committed on our streets. Um, so, therefore, um, America is a very dangerous place. Well, the media loves to concentrate on stuff that attracts, obviously, listeners. And crimes will, will be one of those selling points, unfortunately, um, but not, not necessarily means if they're covering just crimes, you know, it, it, the, the crime gone gone up. Um, and um, I've got another example about miracles. Um, so I'm seeing more and more miracles being reported on respectable news programs. And uh, the other day, uh, there was a story about a guy who had a trouble walking, prayed to the recently deceased Pope, and now walks just fine. Miracles are all around us. Well, or you can replace that with something about 
you know, uh, my daughter never had vaccines and now she's fine. Therefore, vaccines are bad, whatever. Um, yeah, so we shouldn't concentrate on just one thing that reported by me- mass media. Well, first of all, media is not really that accurate or shall I say not accurate at all? <laughs> it depends. Well, yeah, but uh, all they're concerned about selling newspapers or uh, getting enough clicks um, on their website and... Sensa- ah, the claims of sensational nature should be all taken with a grain of salt and oh yeah you know and when somebody says oh that's it that's the end of the world and things are so bad and like you know every everything is so bad then we shouldn't just go yeah because of one report this is the case um just because it's been you know obviously a spotlight in, in a specific news article or or a sp- paper hence the yeah. so- yeah, there's there are lots of good examples of that. I think I think uh, one of them is the um, the earthquakes uh, when they they happen. People people do have the feeling that earthquakes are much more frequent than they used to be. And I had another one about I think I think cancer that people think that there's more cancer oh, yeah. now than it used to be. But I think it's because the the, the cancer became more diagnosable. Um, but people always kind of had cancer and. I'm going to have to um, look it up, but um, the other day I, I had a conversation about uh, autism uh, with, uh, with um, an acquaintance of mine, and I honestly don't know, because one of the reasons that they, they usually come up with uh, for autism being uh, so frequent these days is that um, the diagnosis the methods for diagnosing someone with autism or the, uh, to be somewhere within the spectrum of autism because it's a it's a it's a spectrum disorder uh, so, uh, they they are becoming more and more sophisticated and like 30 years ago no one talked about autism there must have been lots and lots of autistic children who would be now on somewhere on the autism spectrum, uh, but but they were not diagnosed. But is that is that really the lot, uh, the spotlight fallacy? The spotlight fallacy is when you assume that because something happened, you you see um, a plane crash on the news, and you assume that uh, getting on a plane and flying somewhere is not safe. Because there's not a report for all the hundreds of thousands of successful landings that yeah, happens every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, My mother still thinks that 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 I'm in imminent danger when I'm on a plane, uh, which is just statistically not the case. <laughs> I love the physics of flying, but but it does it does the job. So if everything goes well and it's 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 over controlled, so it's, everything is controlled like crazy about flying. Statistically, it's much more uh, dangerous to get in the car and and drive somewhere than to fly somewhere. For me, the spotlight fallacy is the reason why people think that the, the world are, are getting a worse and worse place all the time, when actually the statistics says it's getting better and better. We live longer, there are fewer wars, fewer people die. In, in cancer and fewer people die in in in, in uh, uh, murders etc but since you always see the spotlight is always on the bad things so you get the other impression 
There's a good, really good book called The Better Angels of Our Nature, A History of Violence and Humanity, uh, written by Steven Pinker. It's a fantastic read. It's pretty uh, sort of big book, but he did an enormous amount of research and he talks just about the fact that, you know, what Pontus said, uh, the world is becoming a better place. It's mm-hmm. just our focus is is dif- on different things and we don't see the bigger pictures as much as maybe we try to. It's very hard because the news are in our face with this, you know, blood and the wars and the crime and the whatever. Um, but it's hard to, to shift your perspective. Very, very hard. And he did a fantastic job. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Do you know who uh, Hans Rosling is? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, you must know Pontus because uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a hero of mine. Yeah, <laughs> he's a hero of yours, and uh, he's he's a fellow citizen of yours. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Swedish uh, guy. Yeah, very very good. He promotes a fact based worldview, which is awesome, and and he has, I think he's got at least two TED talks, but probably even more than that, and uh, and it's great when he actually brings up the the common um beliefs about stuff about topics and then he brings in to the picture all the data that is available on the same topic and it's amazing what the difference can be a huge gap between the common belief the common uh uh thought about the, the that topic and the actual fact and yeah when you you mentioned that the world is becoming a better place that's that that came to my mind right away. Yeah, that's definitely what he he, he tells us. Uh, when you look at the facts, it is getting better and better. Yeah, um, but um, I don't know where um, ske- the the place of skepticism is in uh, the the world becoming a better place. Can it be interpreted as the spotlight e- effect that when we are co- following uh, news outlets? that report on certain um, scientific misconducts and uh, and the these idiotic ideas that are spreading like crazy so that's that what that's what what makes us feel that the world is becoming a crazy place where people believe weird things all the time mm. yeah it could be could be there is the there there are other fallacies involved as well i i admit that but uh, that's kind of one interpretation of the the, the spotlight effect uh, by the way but getting back to Hans Rosling uh, he runs a website gapminder.org mm. which I do recommend everyone to check out uh, there are lots of uh, interesting topics there uh, with data and uh, it it really is something that, that skeptics should use widely Thanks very much, Yelena, right. for enlightening us about yet another logical fallacy. Pontus. Yes, hello. Has there been anyone who's really wrong lately around Europe? Yeah, um, yeah there's been a lot of people who are, are really wrong. Uh, but today I would try to do something different. Because there's actually been somebody who's been really right, and I want to highlight that as well. Oh, you're turning into positive. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. Nice. Why not? Why not? <laughs> so I want to hand out a really right prize uh, to the Swedish Medical Association, mm. and the background is anthroposophy. So we've talked about this before, 
uh, anthroposophy was a philosophy or a way of healing people that was invented by Rudolf, Rudolf Steiner. And he's the same guy who uh, is behind the Steiner schools. Uh, Rudolf Steiner was very influenced by Hahnemann, who was the man behind homeopathy. So the anthroposophical movement uses uh, homeopathic ideas quite a lot, mixed with all kinds of herbal and alternative treatments. And they are important in Sweden because they have a, a loud... Uh, a sm sorry. They have a small but loud following in Sweden. And even people who are not really anthroposophically minded or open supporters uh, look at it very favorably. In Sweden, the situation is that all medicine needs to be approved by the National Board of Health and Welfare. Mm -hmm. And anthroposophy is not really approved or not approved as medicine in Sweden. But there is one exception. There is one hospital called Vidarkliniken. So it's kliniken means clinic. So, so uh, there, there, there's one hospital. Uh, they have uh, an exception and it has been renewed 13 times. So even though anthroposophical treatments are not approved in Sweden, it is improved if they do it. So uh, this is this is really a scandal that goes back many many years, uh, because Vida Kliniken is financed by mainly by public funds. Mm -hmm. They can use unproven treatments that are not allowed anywhere else in Sweden if they do it. Now the European Union do not like this at all. Uh, uh, they say that either something is a medicine or is or it's not. It's not a medicine just because somebody specifically uses it. And it's, you know, you, you have to make... Sweden needs to make up its mind about this. So there was an ex expectation at the beginning of this year that the Swedish government would uh, not re renew this exception for Vida Clinique and to, to use anthroposophical uh, remedies. But they said in the last minute, they said, no, we, we don't know enough about this, so we will renew it for six months. And now the exception that they decided on then will expire on 30th of June. So if the government do, does nothing this time, the, the anthroposophical remedies will be not approved for anybody to use and Vida Kliniken will be in, in big trouble. Well, I talked to Don Lahama, who is a very prominent member of the Swedish Skeptics, but also a member of the Royal Academy of Sciences. And he said his expectation is that there will be a new exception because the, the, the Green Party is now part of the government and nobody in the political arena wants to alienate all these people who look so favorably on... on, on uh, anthroposophical uh, remedies. So they don't want to take that. Uh, on the other hand, they are forced by the EU to make some sort of, de of decision. But the prognosis is that they will probably renew it again for another six months, just pushing the problem ahead of themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's all. Of, that's the background. Uh, in this situation, the Swedish Medical Association, which is the union for about 50,000 doctors in Sweden, so it's the main union for, 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 for doctors, 
they have recently, last week, ad adopted two new goals in their setup. The first one is that an employer of their doctors shall not be able to punish a doctor for refusing to remit patients to Vida Kliniken, which is not explicitly stated before. And also that homeopathic and anthroposophical remedies shall only be approved if they fulfill the same standards as conventional medicine. Correct. If that means that they are correct. So that's why I want to give them the really right uh, award or prize. Mm -hmm. uh, so if things go as we expect and, and the Swedish government will again renew the exception for Vida Kliniken, um, the, most Swedish doctors can still refuse to remit patients to Vida Kliniken. And that will make it much, diff much more difficult for people to get into, uh, into this hospital. Mm -hmm. So this is very good news. So for taking a firm stand against anthroposophy, the Swedish Medical Association gets today's prize for being really right. And we congratulate them. <laughs> yes. Good news. Good news. Do you think you're going to make a habit out of this? Of a really right segment? You're going to hand out really right or really wrong um, well, prizes as well? I think if someone deserves a really right uh, prize, I will not uh, hesitate to do it again. Good. That means we don't have to face any criticism for being so negative. Exactly. As skeptics are so often accused of. Well, there's a lot of to be negative about. I could talk yeah. about the German homeopaths that are cherry-picking a few studies uh, to produce a favorable meta-study that they did yeah. uh, very recently. Yeah. I could talk about the Catholic Church who's supporting the rise of exorcism in Poland. And I can talk about American... Okay, calm quacks. down, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll calm down. Okay. I'll or, save or it for another episode. Don't get all psyched up. <laughs> I was going to throw in my friend who thinks that milk causes cancer, but that's, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, thank you very much, Pontus. Apparently, another episode is coming to its end. But before we go, um, do you have a nice quote for us today, Yelena? I have a quote from um, Brian Cox, who Yay. is a very well-known English physicist um, the, he said the following the correct statement of individual rights is that everyone has the right to an opinion but crucially that opinion can be roundly ignored and even made fun of particularly if it is demonstrably nonsense <laughs> correct <laughs> it sounds so much like Brian Cox yeah it's <laughs> quite right quite right I yeah. do agree wholeheartedly. I think we all we all do. Uh, yeah, criticism is 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 something that keeps the world moving. So we have to allow that. Can I just give a quick shout out to anyone who has a good quote from a woman scientist or mm. free critical thinker, free thinker, any kind of uh, woman who made. Uh, an impact in science and skepticism and if you do know of a quote like that could you please email us at info at the esp.eu 
and I will much appreciate that and mention you on the show. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're talking about uh, shout-outs, um, I'd like to mention that I just recently discovered that Eggman left a review, a very nice one at that, actually, on uh, iTunes. So if you, dear listeners, want to follow his example, uh, we would very much appreciate that, um, especially if it's uh, similarly nice and kind uh, with uh, five stars. So, yeah, you'll find us on iTunes, uh, but on Stitcher. And um, if you have a podcast listening application, then uh, you'll definitely find us there uh, if you make a search for the European Skeptics podcast. Also, before we leave, I'd like to mention again that the Podcast Awards votings are still on. And uh, we ask you to give your votes to the Reality Check, and we still do that. Um, So don't forget the Podcast Awards. This is what we had time for this week. So I'd like to thank you, Yelena. Thank you. And I'd like to thank you, Pontus. Thank you. For joining me today. Thank you. Can't wait to be back again next week. See you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, Sara Leop! <laughs> Should we want to do that again? Yep. Yep! Acetyl coline. Aha. Help them count. Acetyl coline. Should I start again? Uh, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ot. <clears throat> Doom doom dim ba ba da boo ba boo da da ba ba bing 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 sorry <laughs> Of course I have a few friends who have access to several journals several journal journal journals <laughs> gerbils they have access gerbils. to gerbils <laughs> fuck oh, so gerbils. who have access to several journals oh. <laughs> Journals. Again. Journals. Yeah. Journals. And uh, he promotes a fact, a fact-based world brew. A fact-based... Fuck. <laughs> a fuck-based world brew. A fuck-based world brew. Uh, that's not bad either.